Hello and welcome to another episode of Locked On Wolves. Today on the show, if Nas Reed walks, if somebody else ponies up to pay Nas Reed, what are some other options on the center market for the Wolves in free agency? What profile player, I guess more accurately, should the Wolves be looking for to be their third big behind two max players in Carl Anthony Towns and Rudy Gobert. We'll talk about that, plus Wolves connections to the Nuggets, the newly crowned NBA champs. We'll talk about all that on the show today. Welcome in. You are Locked on Wolves. You are Locked on Timberwolves, your daily Minnesota Timberwolves podcast, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello and welcome to the Lockdown Wolves podcast, part of the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day. My name is Ben Beacon. I'm the host of Lockdown Wolves. Happy Wednesday, everybody. Happy hump day. And a big thank you for making Lockdown Wolves your first listen every day. This show, of course, is free and available everywhere, including YouTube, as well as all of your favorite audio platforms, wherever you like to listen to podcasts. You can find this one. You can also watch the show on the Lockdown Sports Minnesota app on both Roku and Amazon at Fire TV. And you can follow on Twitter at LockdownTWolves and also at BBeacon with two B's, two E's, C-K-E-N. All right, so we're still a couple of weeks out from free agency now. The draft is, of course, a week from tomorrow. So um, a lot to cover here in the coming days, uh, despite having, like, it's it's crazy how it all still kind of sneaks up on us. Um, so what I, I want to let, like, for the next few days, First, I want to do a little bit of free agency talk today, and then I do want to get into some second round possibilities. Um, but I've had some other shows reach out and want to talk Nas Reed because like, teams are looking for a high upside, you know, an exciting free agent, maybe a diamond in a rough type player. And a lot of teams look at the stats and, and a lot of hosts of other teams that are like, hey, Nas Reed is that guy. And rightfully so. Um, and so what I want to do today is talk a little bit about if Nas doesn't come back, if the Wolves can't retain Nas Reed, what type of player should they be looking for? And and kind of what I've pondered aloud all along is, is Nas Reed's a really good player. And I think there is still quite a bit of upside for him. But does his skill set, and also what he's going to get paid, align with the Wolves roster and what they need? And I don't know that it's maybe as clean as a lot of folks would like it to be. Or even if I would like, like I'd love to keep Nas Reed... But like I've said on the show before, if he prices himself to $15 million a year, which is not crazy. I mean, he was the Wolves were reportedly offering him 11 or $12 million a year. He was seeking more like 14 plus a year. And Howard Beck said on the show a few weeks ago, he believes Nas is going to get $15 million. And the number of teams that sound like they're interested... Uh, I know the Wolves have said they'll make Nas a priority, but I, I a couple weeks ago I did the math here on the show that basically like if you bring back Nas Reed at 15 million, you only have a few million left, and what do you do then? Like, are you bringing back to kill Alexander Walker? Like, or um, if you don't, you still got to sign somebody else. Like, you could you could let Torian Prince walk, but then you still have to fill that rotation spot, right? So, um, can't keep everybody. And I've had some question marks all along about Nas Reed. Uh, if the profile of Nasri, the type of player he is, good player, like in a vacuum, all easily one of the best backup centers in the league. But given his skill set and what the Wolves are missing, and also who's ahead of him on the depth chart, does bringing back Nasri make sense for the Wolves? And if they don't bring him back, and you could pick from any other free agent center in the league, who makes the most sense for the Wolves? So let's start first with Nas. We, I mean, like, 
I don't want to spend a ton of time on Nas himself because we have done that on the show um, quite a few times. We did the whole season review and all that stuff. And and if you're listening to the show, you're probably pretty familiar with Nas reading his game. But basically, Nas remains kind of a higher upside offensive option. He's such a skilled big. He he um, is a very good passer. He's improved his rebounding. Um, he's actually not a bad, especially weak side rim protector, um, help rim protector. Um, he's also improved defensively. He's improved. I think maybe the most attractive thing about Nas, if you're a, a suitor for him on the free agent market, is that he's continually gotten better. He came to the league as, as a young after, uh, well, I guess he wasn't really a young uh, freshman, but he's a one and done player, five-star high school recruit, undrafted. And he's gotten his body in better shape, and he's improved in almost every facet of his game over the last four years. That's attractive. The fact that he can put the ball on the floor and blow past opposing defenders with his first step is really attractive. He's a center that can score. Um, my hesitation with Nas and his, and again, this is relative to the Wolves situation and how much money Nas is going to get paid, is that the Timberwolves, I'll start here, the Timberwolves simply don't have enough minutes for Nas Reed to continue to grow his game and, and actually be worth whatever his salary is going to be. That call it 14 million will compromise. I think he probably gets closer to 15. I think the Wolves would like to pay him 12 or 13. Call it 14 million. I mean, even with all the injuries this year, Nasrid only played 18 minutes per game for the Wolves. Even with all the injuries that the Wolves had, Carlton Towns missed 52 straight games. Um, Rudy didn't miss very much time, of course, but he only started 11 games. He only Average 18 minutes per game. He's never started more than 15 games in a season. And that was uh, the the second COVID year, right? His first, The first COVID year that was shortened was his rookie season. The next year, that was only 72 games in the compressed season. Um, he played 70 games, started 15, only averaged 19 minutes per game. So he's never averaged more than 19 minutes per game. He's never started more than 15 games in a season. Um, and I don't say that to suggest that like he's not as good as we think he is. I say that because why would this be any different other than you're paying him more so you maybe want to play him more? But now, not only do you have Towns in front of you on the depth chart, you also have Rudy Gobert in front of you on the depth chart. And how much money are you going to sink into the 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 five positions slash guys that can only play the four and five, right? Like Rudy is only a five. Nas and Cat can both play the four, but Nas is better suited as a five as well. The Nas minutes with Carl Anthony Towns have not been good. We've talked about that on the show before. The two-man Nas Reed and Carl Anthony Towns lineups have have not been impressive. Nas has struggled at the four, and most of that's defensively, but also kind of finding his spot on offense because both Nas and Towns, when the ball's in their hands, they want to make something happen. And that's... I, there aren't very many teams, and this is completely anecdotal, but there aren't very many teams that have found real success with two high-usage bigs on the floor together at the same time. And... I know that that's a little, there's a little bit of irony there because the Wolves have both Rudy Gobert and Carl Anthony Towns, but Rudy is not a true high usage player. You're not running your offense through Rudy Gobert. He's there as a screener and an offensive rebounder and hopefully an impactful score in screen and roll game. But like Nas and Cat both would love the ball in the perimeter. They'd both love the opportunity to face up and go to work. They both want to step out and shoot. So that's what I mean when I say high usage bigs because their role in the offense is very similar to one another. And there aren't very many examples of that ever in the NBA because you know and certainly like you go into history like there weren't bigs that did that weren't multiple bigs on a team it often wasn't even one big on the team that would face up and, and go to work for the perimeter but like 
I mean, look at bigs that have played next to any other star, like, uh, I don't know, like Joel Embiid, right? Like Tobias Harris, not that's different, right? Like he's more of a three-point shooter. He's not facing up and beating anybody off the dribble with consistency. Um, you know, Jokic, kind of the same thing. I guess a little different with Michael Porter, but like, not, again, not a true two-big system because um, even though some of these, in today's NBA, a lot of these guys that are 6'8 are playing the four, they're not they're not two true bigs. Like Nas is never playing the three. Michael Porter, Tobias Harris, like some of these other guys, I'm just throwing out random names that off the top of my head now, but those guys could all play the three. Um, what I'm saying is there's a lack of positional flexibility and there's redundancy in skills. So do you really want to pay Nas Reed 14, 15 million to be a, a light version of Carl Anthony Towns and only see the floor for max 20 minutes a game? Go back to the beginning of the season before Towns got hurt. Towns got hurt in what game 19, I think, this year for the Wolves. Before that, I have Nas Reed's game log right here. I mean, what do you think? How many minutes do you think he played before that? He didn't play in the first game of the season. It was a DNPCD against Oklahoma City. He played nine minutes in game two. Then 13, 12, 5, DNPCD against the Lakers in game six of the season. Then eight minutes, 15 minutes, 22 minutes, 13 minutes, 18 minutes. You see the trends there? Then he didn't play in three straight games. I think there was, I think he did have a minor um, issue because he was inactive for a couple of those. And then it was, uh, he played limited minutes against Orlando, 10 minutes against Philadelphia, 16 against Miami. So you go all the way up until the cat injury on November 28th. And until cat got hurt, Nasri had played in 14 of 20 games and averaged 12 and a half minutes per game. And yes, he played better when he got more minutes as the season went on, but that's been the story of his career. That's what Nas has done over the course of his career was when he gets an opportunity, he shows out, um, but it also exposes some limitations. So I want to briefly talk about that and then segue into guys that are available that could be a nice fit. I do still want to close, uh, the goal is to close today with with Wolves Nuggets talk. Um, and by that, I mean Wolves connections to the Nuggets because there's a couple, I've mentioned several on the show, but there's a couple additional ones that are kind of fun. So we'll do all that here next. Today's episode of Lockdown Wolves is brought to us by our friends over at Prize Picks. If you're not familiar with prize picks, it's a ton of fun. Uh, of course, basketball season's over, but there are plenty of uh, plenty of other sports that you can you can play with prize picks. Um, I mean, you could go like we're actually not all that far off from the end of like preseason NFL games are like seven weeks away. But currently, still the end of uh, well, actually hockey ended too. Now it just ended uh, uh, the night after last night, the night after uh, the NBA finals. But you can still do golf, uh, college sports. Uh, baseball, of course, is ongoing. Any of those sports over at Prize Picks are a ton of fun. You just pick two to six players, and if they'll score more or less than their Prize Picks projection, you can win up to twenty-five times your money on any entry, and you're not competing against other people. Just you versus the projections available. You can make your entries in less than sixty seconds. It really is that easy. Download the Prize Picks app or go to PrizePicks.com to sign up and play daily fantasy sports. First-time users can receive a one hundred percent instant deposit match up to a hundred dollars with the promo code Locked On. If you deposit a hundred dollars. Prize picks will give you $100. If you deposit $50, they'll give you $50. Don't forget to enter the promo code locked on at sign up for an instant deposit match up to $100. 
Big thank you once again for making Lockdown Wolves your first listen every day. Of course, every day as we're going to continue some draft talk. The Wolves do have the number 53 pick in the draft next week. I know it's a bit like throwing darts to figure out who might be available, much less who the Wolves could take late in the second round. But let's have some fun with it. Look at prospects that I like in the second round. We'll do that here moving forward. Um, all right. Related to Nas Reed, some of his weaknesses, and again, I'm, I'm, I don't, I don't, this isn't really nitpicking. I, I just want to be honest about the evaluation of Nas Reed. And, and some of my issues with him, my biggest issues always stemmed with rebounding. And he a little bit uh, pushed back against that this year. It was clearly his best season from a rebounding perspective, uh, which was important because the Wolves' wings and guards did not rebound. Um, it was uh, it, it was basically Rudy, um, who, by the way, didn't rebound as well as he has for much of his career, and it was Nas. And that was kind of it from a rebounding perspective. You had a few guys that that um, that were fine, but like it was still an issue for the Wolves. Nas actually improved quite a bit. Um, coming into the season, he had a total rebound rate uh, prior to the 22-23 season. His total rebound rate was like right around 13. Um, for some reason, it's not populated, but like right around 13. His defensive rebound rate was like 19 and a half. This season, he had a 14.9%. So we'll call it a 15% total rebound rate. And uh, 20, uh, 22.8% defensive rebound rate. So more than almost three points better than his previous career best from a defensive rebound rate perspective and two points better than his previous best total rebound. That's significant. That matters um, over the course of his 18 minutes a game that he played. It's still not quite where you'd like it to be from your backup center. Um, again, because that's primarily what he played, even though he did play a little bit at the four. The block rate also dipped a little bit. I think... His, his defense, well, it has improved, um, and a lot of that has to do with getting in better shape and the mobility. There's still something to be desired there, although his his progression this season was good enough, and again, he's only going to be 24 this year, that like there's an argument to be made. He could become a plus defender uh, in fairly short order, but again, to this point, that hasn't happened, so you're projecting that out a little bit. Um, offensively, I think sometimes he gets a little bit too shot happy from the perimeter. I mean, he still shot more than a third of his shot attempts were from three. So for his career, about 35% of his shot attempts are three pointers. He's only 34.4% for three. It's great that he's got it in his game, uh, but he's a volume three point shooter. And when you're on the floor with, if you're the wolves currently, and you might be on the floor with cat or Anthony Edwards, like those are the guys your offense should be running through. And Nas can get real trigger happy sometimes with that outside shot. The touch in the paint is good. Um, he, you know, and the passing touch is good. I think sometimes he was a high risk passer, but you know, he's got an incredible handle for his size and, and actually really good touch passing and shooting wise for his size. So I'm nitpicking because Nas is a really good player. The concern for me again, goes back to the investment of call it 15 million, uh, to keep him on the wolves and be your third center because, He's he's not as good as Rudy Gobert or Carl Anthony Towns, and it's there's actually a pretty significant gap in terms of their actual on court impact. And I know that that sounds crazy when I well, don't shouldn't sound crazy when we're talking about Rudy and Nas, but Rudy defensively makes such a big difference that Nas would have to be far more efficient offensively to argue that that he should eat into those minutes at all. Um, so I just don't understand. It's not it's not good asset management. It's not good cap management to pay him that much and bring him back. And I know you have to factor in the human and, and the track record and the development of Nas happening in Minnesota. And he allegedly wants to be in Minnesota. Not allegedly. He says he wants to be in Minnesota. And the Wolves say they really want him back. Like, 
is there a hometown discount? Do you, I, I think sometimes teams get too caught up with like, we got to keep our guy. And I appreciate that because by all accounts, Nas is a fantastic person. Marty Gellner said on the postcast this year, several times he was, he was one of her favorite players to cover. Um, just a really nice guy and his teammates love him. And he's a great story because he was undrafted and, and remade his body and the whole thing. But can you justify 15 million for an 18 to 20 minute per game guy um, who, when cat misses, two thirds of the season still only plays 18 minutes per game. Um, Like that, that worries me a little bit. Um, So if he walks, if Nasri leaves in free agency real quickly, and I'll I'll probably do a whole show on this between the drafted free agency, but I want to hit a couple of names that will be out there. In fact, there was a Bleacher Report article talking about, it was like one hole every NBA team can fill in free agency. And it talked about backup center for the Wolves. Which is interesting because depending on how the rest of the roster shakes out, right? Like Prince has the option for next year. The the Wolves have a it's not technically an option. The the non guaranteed contract for next year. The Wolves could let Prince go. They uh, Nikhil Alexander Walker is a restricted free agent. Jalen Noel's a free agent, and Jordan McLaughlin has an option too on like his two million. So technically, the Wolves' top backup at every other position also could could be gone this year, uh, except for Kyle Anderson. Um, so. I don't know, but but backup center is the one where you don't have anybody else uh, beyond Towns and Gobert. Um, I guess you still have the option, on, on, or it's not even an option, Nate Knight's under contract for next year, I think. Um, but all that to say, the article at Bleach Report says Nas should be the priority, and then it talks about two other players, Andre Drummond and Dwight Powell. I'll start with Drummond. Drummond may not be a free agent next year. He's got a player option with the, uh, with the Bulls for $3.36 million. Um, I mean... Like that's not a very big option, so he certainly could test the market again. But we're also talking about a guy who, I don't know how he's only going to be thirty next year. This was his age twenty nine season. It feels like he should be older. He was effective with the Bulls, but this was the first time in his career that he was just straight up a full time backup. Like um, there was no delusion that he was anything more than that, and he only played thirteen minutes per game. I'd be surprised if someone gave DeAndre, excuse me, Andre Drummond more than um, more than three and a half million a year. So. I don't know that he's actually going to be free, a free agent. He's not, we don't know yet, right? There's a, there's a player option. So I don't want to talk too much about Drummond, but I don't really love that fit anyway. He certainly helps the rebounding issue and still has good offensive touch around the rim, but he limits you defensively a little bit, not as mobile as a Nas Reed or even a Dwight Powell. And he, he doesn't have obviously the, he's not going to stretch the floor, right? He's not shooting the ball outside the paint. So he doesn't have that element to his game either. Um, so like I, I wouldn't, hate Andre Drummond as a backup center with the Wolves. Um, if that's what it gets down to and some of the other guys are gone, I think it's fine. But first of all, I'm not sure he's going to be a free agent. Second of all, I don't know that he fits the Wolves all that well. The other name mentioned is Dwight Powell. I feel differently about Powell. He's been a, a key part of Dallas's rotation now for, uh, I don't know, like eight years. Um, and he started, was a mostly a starter for them the last two seasons, I think was overexposed, overextended a little bit as a starter for the Mavs. And obviously last season was a lot more successful for them than this year was. Um, but he certainly is limited offensively as well. He's not stretching the floor for you. He should not be shooting threes. There were a couple seasons where he was shooting, you know, a couple a game and, and he was like around 30%. So I guess theoretically he could do it in a pinch, but Dwight Powell is all about defense. My problem with Dwight Powell is he doesn't rebound the ball very well. In fact, he's a worse rebounder than Nas Reed for his career. Um, And that's my biggest issue with Nas Reed. And the Wolves have a big issue with defensive rebounding. So do you really really want to bring in a guy who's got a worse total rebound rate, a worse defensive rebound rate? And by the way, a rate that's decreased throughout his career. He used to be an okay rebounder. And basically, 
the trend line for his defensive rebound rate and total rebound rate have gone down over the course of his career. His offensive rebound rate has come up, which also would be nice for the Wolves, but that's less important with the way that the Wolves play and also with the issues they had last year in terms of getting back in transition and defensive rebounding, you'd rather have him be good in those areas. So I like Dwight Powell as a defensive player, as a pick and roll, uh, you know, dive, diving to the rim, cutting to the rim, effective offensively, good enough hands. Um, there's a lot about Dwight, How- Dwight Powell to like, and most of it's defensively. I'd prefer him to Andre Drummond, but the weird thing is that Drummond is such a better rebounder than Dwight Powell. I just think Powell's a better overall player. Powell actually somehow is still a year, like a year and a half or something older than than uh, Andre Drummond, which really surprised me. I also think Powell will get paid more than Drummond because of the defensive side of things. Um, and he also last season made $11 million with the Mavs. He's not going to get $11 million this year. He'll get paid a lot less than Nas Reed, but probably more than Andre Drummond. So depending on how the Wolves' cap shakes out, Drummond on like a minimum-ish deal if he opts out with Chicago may be a better deal uh, or a better option than Dwight Powell at call it 7 or 8 or $9 million. Um because if you're paying eight, nine million for Dwight Powell, do you just pay fourteen million for Nas Reed? Right, like that's the thing. Is like where where do these things all match up? Who's the better choice at which price point? Um, and there's a few other guys out there. Like obviously, there's there's guys that are be out of the Wolves' price range. Uh, somebody who I really like that won't come to Minnesota because he won't have enough of a role, and the Wolves won't have the money to pay him. But Jakob Pertl would be a perfect fit for the Wolves for a lot of reasons. And he's going to be a free agent. He made like uh, nine, almost nine and a half million last year. The Spurs had signed him to a really nice extension. And of course, he was traded to Toronto midseason. But like a player like Jakob Pertl, who can score a little bit, again, pick and roll, good rim protector, very good rebounder. That's what the Wolves need um, to kind of shore up their bench. And to that way, they can run a lot of the same stuff with their bench in the game as with their starters. That's, that's part of the, the deal here. Uh, we'll go down the list and talk about some other guys, but like that type of a profile would fit the Wolves better than a higher usage offensive guy like Nas Reed or a non-rebounder like Dwight Powell. Um, but again, resources are going to really matter. So we'll get into that here as we get closer to free agency, but I wanted to touch on it now to kind of give additional color to the idea that Nas may or may not come back to the Wolves. All right, um, let's close here by talking a little bit of Wolves Nuggets, the connection points between the Timberwolves and the NBA champion Denver Nuggets. All right, the Denver Nuggets won the NBA championship uh, the other night. Was it Monday night? Um, it was after I recorded the show for Tuesday, so I didn't mention it. But obviously, congrats to Denver. The team that Tim Connolly built, uh, there's no question. And, and obviously, I don't want to take away from Calvin Booth at all. Calvin Booth, of course, a former Timberwolves player. Well, we'll get into that, actually. Uh, but Tim Connolly, of course, built this Nuggets team. There are so many Timberwolves connections. Um, and I had talked about this on the show a couple weeks ago, and actually probably back around the time um, that that the Wolves played the Nuggets in the playoffs. So I want to hit on a few of those things. But actually, I was planning to talk about this. And then uh, Cadis Hoopis um, uh, had an article, um, Leo Sun, who on Twitter, at Y0Leo, um, shout out to him, does a fantastic job covering the Wolves and Lynx. And he actually wrote up an article about these connection points. So I'm going to, I I had what I wanted to say, but I'm going to also mention a couple things that he mentioned and, um, and just kind of shout him out for that. But uh, there's a lot of connection points and we'll start with Tim Connolly. Like Tim Connolly built this, the Nuggets team. He obviously drafted Nikola Jokic. He drafted Jamal Murray. He had drafted other pieces that were traded, like the Monty Morris uh, selection in the second round several years ago was a big pick and then traded Monty Morris. And like the way he's reshaped the roster on the fly, 
bringing in veterans who maybe had bigger roles elsewhere, like Jeff Green or Contavious Caldwell Pope, but slotted in perfectly in the rotation with Denver. Those were, uh, well, I guess called, I guess this last offseason was was uh, Calvin Booth. Um, but Tim Connolly built the the bones of that team. Not really pun intended, because Bones Highland was traded this year by Calvin Booth. He also drafted Bones Highland, who was a big part of the team the last couple of years. Um, and Calvin Booth did enough, like pruning around the edges, to take this team from a, a, a squad that was disappointing last year with the finish. And people said, well, will they ever get over the hump? They need to do what Utah did and blow it up. And uh, then they just said, no, we're going to stay the course. We're going to add some vets like a KCP and a, and a Jeff Green, and we're going to trade Bones midseason. We'll draft Christian Brown, and we'll we'll sign uh, uh, Bruce Brown, who the Wolves were reportedly interested in free agency and, and uh, was my favorite free agent target a year ago. I'll, I'll keep tooting that horn because I was on him as a potential Wolves addition. Um, that was a, I mean, both Tim Connolly and Kelvin Booth. In fact, we could talk about both those connections. Connolly was obviously there forever. Kelvin Booth, uh, played briefly for the Wolves, was on the roster for much of the season back in like 08, 09, and um, I think only got into one game. But then he was a scout with the Wolves. He was a, I think it was a player development coach uh, for a little while. He was uh, director of the like the player relations stuff with the Wolves. Um, and then eventually went to Denver, was hired by Tim Connolly, and then was promoted to the head role in Denver when the Wolves hired Tim Connolly. In fact, I'm pretty sure Kelvin Booth interviewed for the job when the Wolves hired uh, Gerson Rosas. I'm pretty confident of that because Booth had just recently left and gone to Denver. And I'm pretty confident Glenn Taylor brought him back for an interview for the job that eventually went to Rosas. And then now, of course, Booth stays in Denver, gets the promotion when Connolly comes to Minnesota, and Booth makes those moves around the edges to, uh, you know, Again, KCP, Bruce Brown, Christian Brown, um, Jeff Green, like guys that really contributed, remake, not entirely remaking the roster, but pruning and, and making the right additions and subtractions to 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 make Denver's roster as good as it was uh, throughout the playoffs. Um, the other obvious ones are Ryan Saunders, uh, who is an assistant with the Nuggets, of course, was an assistant with the Wolves forever. His dad, of course, uh, fantastic, best coach in Timberwolves history and... Um, the, the, the late great Flip Saunders and then Ryan Saunders being the Wolves head coach previous to Chris Finch um, for parts of three seasons. So that's a clear connection point Saunders took last year off. And then and Michael Malone, who isn't a direct connection point, but it was pretty clear Michael Malone and Flip Saunders were very good friends. Saunders had Michael Malone after Malone was fired by the Kings, which I thought was crazy at the time several years ago. Um I don't know, a decade ago now, he came to Minnesota and, and shadowed a bit, was around the team when Flip Saunders was running it for a while. Um, and then Michael Malone did the same for Ryan Saunders and then eventually hired Ryan Saunders to his staff. So congrats to Ryan Saunders too. I mean, great, great for that family to get a ring. Um, and undoubtedly Flip is Flip would be very proud. Um, and then also on the coaching staff, David Adelman. He's the, I think the associate head coach, the lead assistant um, or whatever that title is there, the the lead assistant for the Denver Nuggets. David Adelman, an assistant under Rick Adelman in Minnesota, is starting to get coach head coaching interviews, widely thought of as one of the best offensive minds. There were lots of great quotes from Nuggets players after the season about what an offensive genius. I forget uh, who had the most prominent quote. It might've been Jamal Murray, um, but basically that he's just an offensive genius, like he knows what he's doing. Um, and uh, just... 
really, really cool to see Adelman and Saunders, both former Wolves assistants, both sons of former Wolves head coaches, and of course, in Saunders' case, a former Wolves head coach, to both get rings on Michael Malone's staff. They're both going to get head coaching interviews, maybe not yet for Saunders again, but certainly David Adelman uh, will be getting head coaching interviews very shortly. And then the last connection point, which I didn't actually have on my list. Well, I should mention Zeke Naji as well. I did have that, um, but he ended up not being really a rotation guy in the playoffs, but of course, a Minneapolis native. Um, but Lane Vashro, who was a, a commenter on Kata Supis and a popular member of Timberwolves Twitter, has worked for the Nuggets for like, uh, I don't know, like four or five years um, at least, and is a member of their front office. He's their senior analyst at Basketball Analytics, and his draft models were some of the first draft models I really got into about a decade ago um, and really did an awesome job. Like uh, the draft that, and, and this is my hat tip to Kata Supis, the draft that was. Uh, reference in the article at Katie Supis from 2014 is where he had his top five prospects as Joel Embiid, Kyle Anderson, Marcus Smart, Aaron Gordon, and then Jordan Adams, who ended up having injury issues. But like nobody else would have said that the top, uh, the top four guys call it were Embiid, Anderson, Smart, Gordon, who was actually drafted. That was the Andrew Wiggins draft, Jabari Parker, Joel Embiid went third, then Dante Exum and Aaron Gordon. So he nailed Gordon and Embiid like a lot of people did, but instead of Jabari Parker and Dante Exum, he had Kyle Anderson and Marcus Smart. Um, And as it turns out, if you're redrafting that draft, this is a conversation for another show, maybe sometime this summer when there's not a whole lot to talk about, we can go back through this. But like, I mean, you take Kyle Anderson pretty high. Um, You say the same thing about, um, well, certainly Aaron Gordon, but but also uh, Marcus Smart, uh, just because of the everything he's done. Well, I mean, obviously you take him very high. So nailed that. And uh, crazy that somebody who was known in wolf circles and on wolves Twitter as a commenter and a, uh, you know, just a one of us draft analyst as a fan, then ended up working for the Nuggets and helping to build an NBA champion. And that's, that's what the Nuggets are now. There's just so many wolves connections um, between the two franchises. I didn't even mention the 2018 game. 82 either that when the Wolves beat them with Jimmy Butler to go to the playoffs, which feels like 10 years ago now. It was actually five. Anyway, that's all we got for you today. A big thank you for listening to Lockdown Wolves and for making us your first listen every day. Of course, the show is free and available everywhere, including YouTube, as well as all of your favorite audio platforms. You can find the show wherever you listen to podcasts and also on the Lockdown Sports Minnesota app on Roku and Amazon Fire TV. You can follow on Twitter at Lockdown T Wolves and also at B Beacon with two B's, two E's, CK. Yet. Of course, the Lockdown Wolves podcast is part of the Lockdown Podcast Network. Remember, the Lockdown Network is your local experts on all the biggest stories. Once again, I'm Ben Beacon. This is the Lockdown Wolves podcast, and we'll catch you next time.